2: wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the
0: Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. <music> Joe Biden is to be inaugurated as the 46th President of the United States, and after four years of unique politics, the new administration is already having an unusual start. There's unprecedented security in Washington following the riots at Capitol Hill by a Trump-supporting mob and alarms over an internal threat. COVID's also taken a bite, with people being told by the DC mayor to stay away. There'll be no photos of huge crowds to argue over who had the biggest inauguration this time. Will it ever return to something even vaguely like normal? For this special edition of The Leader, our columnist Philip Collins spoke to editor-in-chief George Osborne. They talk about what might be in Joe Biden's inaugural speech, the policy challenges he faces with two crises already ongoing, and what will happen to Donald Trump once he leaves office.
3: Hello, I'm Philip Collins. I'm a columnist on The Evening Standard, and I'm joined today by the editor-in-chief, George Osborne, and we're going to talk about Joe Biden and the inauguration address, which is coming up on Wednesday, which will begin his term of the president of the United States of America.
1: It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. The Bible tells us to everything there is a season A time to build, a time to reap, and a time to sow, and a time to heal. This is the time to heal in America.
3: And George, this inauguration is a big moment in American history, isn't it? It always is, but it is now because we are probably going to go from a period of extraordinary, unlikely politics to perhaps a semblance of something we're more accustomed to seeing.
4: Well, you're right, Phil, that the inauguration is always a huge moment in American politics. But this inauguration this week takes place under extraordinary circumstances.
3: Good
0: evening. Warnings of extremist violence have sent authorities across the country rushing.
2: Law enforcement is on high alert ahead of inauguration day, but protecting D.C.
1: But we need to recognize that in this country, the challenge we have is one of homegrown terror.
4: The crowds won't be there because of COVID. Uh, the military and the police will be because of uh, these threat from these extremists. And of course, the defeated candidate, Donald Trump, won't be in attendance. But it's still a big moment for Joe Biden to step up and not just become the president, but become the healer in chief.
3: I've been searching for parallels in American history of this moment. And I think you have to go all the way back to 1801, when Jefferson, Uh, delivered the inaugural speech and it was similar in the sense that there were very few festivities in Washington. It was very Spartan. John Adams, his defeated opponent, left town because he'd fallen out with Jefferson. and It was an incredibly acrid and bitter election. What Jefferson did in that speech was a template for what I suppose Biden has to do, was he gave a healing speech.
0: This being now decided by the voice of the nation, announced according to the rules of the Constitution, all will, of course, arrange themselves under the will of the law and unite in common efforts for the common good. Let us then, fellow citizens, unite with one heart and one mind.
3: And all inaugural speeches, apart from Donald Trump's four years ago, which was a stump speech, are of that kind. They, they try and bring the nation back together again. Do you think Biden can do that? Do you think America is, is is healable?
4: Look, I think, I know this is a contrarian view, but the Constitution and American democracy has survived probably its greatest tests since the American Civil War. But we've got through it. There is a new president. There isn't an armed insurrection. There isn't a coup. I think the speech itself, look, I, I think the problem with these inaugural speeches is there is such a high bar set by John F. Kennedy and Abraham Lincoln that presidents always fall short. People don't remember, for example, Barack Obama's two inauguration speeches and he was a pretty good speech giver. The time has
2: come to reaffirm our enduring spirit, to choose our better history, to carry forward that precious gift, that noble idea passed on from generation to generation, the God given promise that all are equal, all are free and all deserve a chance to pursue their full measure of happiness.
4: I'm not expecting magic from Joe Biden, but I think the very fact he's there, he's become the president, and American democracy has worked, will be enough of a speech.
3: He's got quite a lot on his plate. quite a lot he's already pledged to do. Are you impressed by Biden's policy energy and are you looking forward? Do you think he's got a lot to do? Or do you think there will be a flow of activity which slightly runs out, which is my fear?
4: Well, I think the interesting thing about Joe Biden, is you know he's the most experienced and oldest person to take the presidency and you don't have that kind of excitement which you and I might remember when there was a young barack obama or a young bill clinton but you do have an enormous sense of a chapter closing the trump chapter and even that you know i personally think donald trump would have been reelected but for covid and so biden starts with both a kind of health crisis made more complicated by the us's problematic, to put it mildly, healthcare system, he's got a health crisis, he's also got an economic crisis. And if he, you know, I think what he's going to bring is kind of rationality, science, you're not going to have a president telling you to inject yourself with some unknown drug. You know, I think a lot of these things are going to feel extraordinary just because they're very normal, and ordinary, and very similar to what other countries have seen from their political leaders. So I think you'll have a kind of big emphasis on science and expertise in the pandemic. And then when it comes to the economy, economic recovery, there will be an absolute sort of classic, quite Democrat style, uh, i.e. to the left a bit of American politics, big fiscal stimulus, big you know, impetus on getting things building, unemployment checks, a big green deal. So, so I think the economy and health will dominate these early periods.
1: We all agreed that we want to get the economy back on track. We need our workers to be back on the job by getting the virus under control. We're going in a very dark winter. Things are going to get much tougher before they get easier. And that requires sparing no effort to fight COVID so that we can open our businesses safely, resume our lives, and put this pandemic behind us. It's going to be difficult, but it can be done.
3: Well, The, the in, economic response is interesting, isn't it? I think he's pledging a $1.9 trillion relief bill, uh, which, as you say, is quite, in a way, quite standard Democrat politics. Um, I mean, Obama did something uh, similar in the wake of the financial crisis. Now, you know, you, of all people, perfect person to answer this question. Do you think this is a a good response to the the economic problem they're going to find themselves in?
4: Well, I I think it is a a good response. There are two arguments for it. One is, you know, the United States turbocharges the rest of the world and can afford to spend more than other countries like Britain because it has the world's reserve currency. And second, in the United States itself, there are a huge amount of things that are undone that we take for granted in European countries and, and in the UK. Uh, there's sort of a level of infrastructure investment and, and investment in green energy, for example, that we undertake, which the United States hasn't. So you know the key thing here is that Biden, and this is, was not really to do with the results of the election in November, more to do with the results of the election in January, Biden does have a very slim majority now in the Senate. And so, you know, I think the world is looking for a big uh, fiscal stimulus from the United States. I think it will get it from the Biden administration. I think the Democrats in Congress will support it. But my prediction is that all that talk of debt and deficit, which I remember from my time as chancellor, you know, will return to American politics in the next two or three years. That will become the subject of American politics like it will become subject to British politics, not now in the eye of the crisis, but in the recovery in two or three years time.
3: Let's move into uh, the world stage, because this is one place where I think the the contrast between Biden and Trump will probably be quite conspicuous. I mean, Biden has been pretty blunt on this. You know, he said recently, day one, I'm going to be on the phone with our NATO allies saying that we're back. Uh, We're back and you can count on us. And Trump, you only had one term. Who knows what Trump would have done with respect to America in the world in a second term? His instincts seemed to be a return to American isolationism. But Biden does appear to to want to return to uh, a world role, a leadership role.
4: Well, there's an interesting argument, Phil, that even under Obama, America was retreating from the world and not as engaged as it had been in the kind of Clinton. And, and sort of Cold War era, and of course the Bush era was strange because of because of Iraq and Afghanistan. But you know, and certainly wasn't retreating from the world. So I think Biden, in many ways, will there will be a huge sigh of relief in in foreign capitals that you have an American president who wants to engage with the WHO, stands by America's treaties such as the ones that were signed for the Paris Climate Accords, and very importantly, actually the Iranian
1: uh, nuclear deal. We're in a much worse position to meet the demands of this crisis than we were when President Obama and I left office. You know, President Trump has no strategy here, it seems to me. He has no end game. And here's the hardest truth of all. His constant mistakes and poor decision-making have left us, the United States, with a severely limited slate of options for how to move forward. And most of those options are now bad. So I think much of that will look normal. And because of the contrast with Trump, everyone will
4: think of it as a kind of return of the United States, to the sort of center stage of the world. But it doesn't actually necessarily represent that because, A, the United States is becoming more isolationist. You've now got rival big powers, most obviously China, uh, which weren't the case in the kind of immediate post-Cold War period uh, where America was the only big country on the block. So, so I think some of the kind of enduring trends are there. Uh, and I think we might mistake the fact that Biden wants to speak to his friends and the fact that Biden doesn't regard Europe as an enemy and so on, as being so extraordinary that we miss the bigger picture that mm. we're in a new era of, of big power politics in which the United States is the biggest player, but not the only player.
3: I, I wonder, too, what does this portend for the relationship with Great Britain? I think the kind
4: of central challenge Boris Johnson and the government face is this. In the eyes of Democrats and in the eyes of the sort of Biden team, Boris Johnson is part of the Trump
3: family. Uh, it's, it's no secret. I, I, I've had a good uh, relationship with the, the previous White House, as, as you'd expect a British prime minister uh, to do.
4: Now, that might be unfair and it's not there direct parallels. and. Uh, you know, Boris Johnson is a much more professional politician than Donald Trump ever was. But nevertheless, he's seen by the rest of the world as being in that kind of slightly nativist, central right, you know, but no longer the central right, nativist right wing movement, populist movement. Brexit is something that Biden regards as a very bad move by the UK, unlike Trump identifying with it. So, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have that kind of bonhomie that you saw, that kind of camaraderie not just between the leaders, but between the political staffs and the parties that you saw obviously between Tony Blair and uh, Bill Clinton, that you saw between Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, and that rather surprisingly, because they were from different parties, you actually saw between Barack Obama and David Cameron.
0: Thank you, Mr. President, for welcoming
4: me so warmly to the White House today. Thank you for the meeting, for the the lunch
0: that we had, and also for the tour of uh, part of your home. I have to say I was most impressed by how tidy your children's bedrooms were. And uh, I think if the President of the United States can get his children to tidy their bedrooms, then the British Prime Minister, it's about time he did exactly the same thing. You
3: have to give uh, them notice, that's the only thing. Right, well, they're, they're, they've got notice. The Prime if you're,
4: they should be in bed by now, but if they're not, they have uh, notice. Boris Johnson's going to find it a hard job mm. persuading... Joe Biden, that he is, you know, somehow now a kind of mainstream centrist politician. I think Biden will not believe that.
3: Now we're on the subject of Donald Trump. It's always hard to stay away from him for too long in these conversations. He, He isn't entirely going to go away. And how do you see that playing out? Do you think it might be actually a really painful distraction for Joe Biden, this thing carrying on? Would it not be better for Trump to be relegated and for normality to resume. Or do you think it's an important symbolic moment that in a sense the the that Trump is punished for his misdemeanours?
4: Well, I think it's pretty revealing, Phil, that we spend more time talking about the loser of the presidential election since the result than the winner. <laughs> Donald Trump okay. remains the biggest story in the world, apart from maybe now COVID. You know, I think there will be endless sagas about the Trump family. There's still an impeachment trial that will take place. Uh, although I suspect he might necessarily be impeached, you know, there'll be lots of kind of pressure on the Democrats to go after his business dealings and his abuse of office. And I so I think we're going to be hearing about Trump for a long period to come. That said, I think Trump is unique. You know, I although American politics is divided, it's been very divided before. Uh, and I remember the hatred shown towards Bill Clinton or George W. Bush. Or, so, you know, it's not unique that 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 we uh that we've got sort of divided politics but trump was a unique character you know he was this incredibly famous businessman tv star who has been a big story all my life really i don't see that the republican party is going to be able to hand the torch on to someone else like donald trump i think it's much more likely that the republicans go back to a kind of senator or governor from somewhere and although, yes, there's going to be kind of right wing extremism and right wing fringes and nationalist tendencies in the Republican Party for probably forever, uh, I don't think we're going to have in the Oval Office again someone with such a complete disregard for the, the, the responsibilities of the office or the separation between the office and the personal and family business. You know, I think Trump, America got through four years of Trump, it was a supreme test of the Constitution that uh, George Washington and the founding fathers put together. But America survives and and Trump will Mm. eventually fade into the sunset. If you want my, you know, it's a prediction may well come wrong. I don't think he's going to be the candidate for the presidency next time around. I think he could have managed the last few weeks much better uh, and been the gracious losing, or not even gracious, but the losing candidate who got a lot of votes and was coming back and was only defeated because of COVID. But I think he's sort of blown it with the Republican leadership. And this time, unlike four years ago, they will shut him out of getting the nomination again.
0: And that's the leader. There's more U.S. politics tomorrow. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on our news, analysis and commentary every day at 4 p.m.